pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Alana Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock today. Indeed, we do have the telephone lines open, 217-356-9397. Illinois basketball this afternoon, 2 o'clock game time up at the Cole Center in Madison against the Wisconsin Badgers. Our pregame coverage begins at noon right here on DWS and Light Rock 97.5 WHMS. Mr. Tate, how are you doing this morning? Hey, big game today, huh? Illinois, a slight favorite on the road? Yeah, that's a tough one to call because, you know, they haven't played as well uh, lately, obviously. They've, what, dropped five out of six and was, has Wisconsin. And I thought when Wall came back that they would, you know, maybe play. They were 3-0 and with him earlier, Steve. They started with him, and then he got hurt, and they kind of went south when he got hurt. Illinois took advantage of that since he wasn't here when they played. And uh, got him back, and, and they're still uh, struggling. And I thought the last game against Maryland, that was an 18-point loss, 73-55, was about their worst performance, although they had a really bad one against Indiana. I don't know if you remember that game, but they set the game back a few years. Uh, <laughs> and Indiana came on strong in the second half and won 63-45, to but – 45 points by Wisconsin. So I don't know. This is a team back to the wall. Uh, they desperately need a win over, you know, over anybody. And Illinois happens to be the team going in there at a, at a kind of a difficult time to go in because they're going to be uh, they're going to be you know this is going to be big for them. Pardon the pun there, right? Back to the wall. <laughs> I <laughs> saw what you wall. did there. <laughs> back to the Tyler wall. That's right. Yep. But they do have him back, and we'll see how they play. It's always tough to win there, although Illinois won two in a row at the Kohl Center, five in a row overall. Yeah, five in a row overall, and, and uh, uh, this is this is a Wisconsin team that is very thin, Steve. They've, they've got a good uh, good guard in Chucky Hepburn and a, and a good freshman, Connor Decision. Uh, they're, the, they're the guards on this team. They're double-figure scorers, and then they got Wall and Crowell up front, and the thing that bothers you about Crowell is he's, he has that unique ability among big men to get easy shots. Uh, you know, some guys, when they get the ball on the post, can't, not, not everybody can do what he does. He can go either way, and he winds up shooting a pretty easy shot, generally. I got a question for you because it's kind of been a foregone conclusion who the Big Ten Player of the Year is. Oh, boy. Is it still E.D. Oh or is uh, well, now. Trace Jackson gaining some ground on him? You're you're talking about a really close race there yeah. now because Trace Jackson is is doing more for Indiana. Well, I can't say he's doing more than 
Edie's doing for Purdue. But listen to this. Uh, I just jotted this down, Steve. Scoring. Trace Jackson, 21-8, Edie, 20.6. Blocks, 3.9 for Jackson, 2.7 for Edie. Rebounds, one's got thir- both of them are 13 and a half. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Jackson Davis got 4.7 assists. So who do you pick now? I mean, I'd say it's up for grabs the rest of the season. Who, who's going to play the, be- the, you know, the rest of the, of the year, in my opinion? Do you look at the standings when you make that well, vote? You have it's to. It's always a consideration, yeah. but the thing that's happening now is that Indiana's coming on strong. They're hard to beat now. They're four and four in in the Big Ten. Purdue's running away with it at nine and one, and a lot of a lot of teams right there in that five and four, four and four, four and five range. A lot can happen. Uh, as Wisconsin's four and five right now after that three and zero start in the league that you mentioned, but. You know, a win gets them back to 500, and a loss to Illinois puts them at 500. Uh, there's just a lot going on there in the middle. And look at Northwestern. They've still well, only got three losses. Got some tough games coming up, does Northwestern, however. And But the thing I will say about Illinois and about Underwood teams is they have played over time. The last several years, they play pretty well on the road. I don't have the stat with me, but yep. they are, they're a, a good road team, probably the best road team the last three years in the Big Ten, I would imagine. Well, they've got two Big Ten road wins as we speak. Problem is they got two <laughs> Big Ten home losses. Yeah. That's you know, kind of... Yeah, the, the team just is, is taking a while to, to form, and, and we don't know for sure if they're, if, they're, if they're solid yet. They look a lot better. I like Epps in that lineup. I think he deserves to play more. And I'm interested in seeing how much uh, Rodgers is going to get in terms of playing time because... He's a force in there, although he's not a very good scorer. The Big Ten uh, scheduled today, Minnesota. Minnesota is at uh, Northwestern, 11 o'clock. Illinois at Wisconsin at 2. Nebraska and Maryland at 3.30. You were kidding off the air. Is that a Big Ten game? (laughs) (laughs) Nebraska at Maryland. And then Ohio State plays at Indiana at 7.30. And then tomorrow, Michigan at Penn State. Michigan State at Purdue. And Rutgers at Iowa. Rutgers I mean, is right there at six and three in the yeah, Big Ten, in second well. place. The thing I'm interested in with Ohio State is how are they going to try to defend the post? I mean, how are they going to do it? I'll bet you they double team, and I think you got to. I think that's a risk you have to run. The uh, Big Ten standings on the men's side and the women's side, both Illinois teams are fifth right now as of today in the standings. That's Good news for uh, the women's program. They haven't been fifth in a while. Those uh, women have been shooting the three-point shot really well all season long, over 40% all season long, and then they go into that game uh, against Purdue, and they hit one of their first 17. And by that time, the game was lost. I mean, they did hit a couple after that, but the game was gone. College basketball lost a guy this, uh, this week that was kind of an icon in Billy Packer. Uh, you and I have had him on uh, before in our pregame shows and and got to know him a little bit. And uh, he was... He had a hard edge to him, didn't he? He did. I, I've got a story with Billy Packer. I was covering the Flying Illini at the Final Four in Seattle for Channel 3 when I was working there. 1989. Yep. And we were doing live shots from Seattle on the Channel 3 News. And Billy Packer was there to call the game. And this was the day before the games. Mm-hmm. 
but we were doing sportscasts and such. And Billy was at the arena. Said, "I'd love to get you on live." Folks in Champaign would like to hear from you, and he said, "I'd be happy to do it." And then when I went to get him, I couldn't find him, but I found him, and he was like on the other side of the arena. We had to go around the concourse, mm-hmm. and he wasn't moving too fast. And I had to kind of tell him, "Billy, we need to step it up." <laughs> We need to get over there and get, and he said, okay. So he started halfway jogging, not really jogging, but fast walking. Fast walking. <laughs> but we got on with him, but it was pretty close. But uh, he was good. He was a good guy to be around. And some people liked him, some people didn't, which is the way it should be. Some people feel how that way di- about it. How different was he than Al McGuire? <laughs> that's like two opposites. Yeah, that's what made him good. Because yeah. they worked together a long time. Al didn't. Al came to do an Illinois game one time, and and he just walked in there, and he didn't even know, he didn't even know who the coaches were. I don't think. <laughs> and uh, he he came. He somebody came up to him and says, "Al McGar wants to talk to you." I said, "Oh, okay." So I wandered over and, and I said, "Al, uh, hi, I'm Lauren Tate. What you know? What do you need?" He says, "You see this sheet?" He, he had a sheet written down with each the name of all the players from Illinois. He says. Tell me something about each one <laughs> so that when the name comes up, I can say that. <laughs> so I told him some some little thing about each player on the team so that he could say that on TV. Did he write it down? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I had it on a sheet of paper. <laughs> <laughs> so Billy Packer did, uh, passed away at the age of, I think it was 82. Mm-hmm, was 82. His? Yep. Those are some of the headlines. Uh the Illini women's basketball team in action tomorrow afternoon at 5 o'clock at the State Farm Center against Michigan State. Of course, the football playoffs continue tomorrow. San Francisco at Philadelphia at 2 o'clock. Cincinnati at Kansas City at 5.30. I see now the Chiefs are the favorite by two points. Uh, the Bengals opened up as about a point and a half or two-point favorite. It's all about the quarterback, isn't it? It is. Looks like he's going to play. By the way, Allegretti for Kansas City and Ted Karras for Cincinnati, huh? Yes, right. They'll, they'll see action. Yeah, they in the will. Line. Ted Karras is the starting center yep. for the for the Bengals. Yep. Had a text here. The text line open as well, asking, "Is Chip Carey the new Cardinals TV announcer?" The answer is, Chip Carey thinks so. <laughs> he he tweeted this week that he's moving to St. Louis, but the Cardinals have not made. An official announcement on that. Uh, you would expect that to uh, come any time now. I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that uh, Bally Sports, the company that uh, owns them, Sinclair, is going through bankruptcy. And I don't know if that has anything to do with the timing of the the announcement. Since I don't know about this bankruptcy, and I heard about it the other day, wh- what does that mean uh, in your view? Well, they've been bleeding money, for one thing, obviously. And uh, I don't know what it means in the future, I think probably some of the creditors might become owners of the network. I'm not sure how bankruptcy works. I've never been associated with that, but uh, they lost a lot of money. It used to be Fox Sports Midwest, then it was Bally Sports, and uh, so they've got some some issues to to work out. So you think that could affect the contract that Kerry expects to get? I don't think so, but maybe they got bigger things on their mind at the moment than making that announcement. But Chip Carey uh, tweeted this week that he was leaving Atlanta to come to St. Louis to take uh, that job. So there's the answer, or non-answer, if you will, about that. We would expect the official announcement to come anytime. 
Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk some Big Ten basketball with Sean Harrington, talk some Illinois football with one of their staffers, uh, Director of Player Personnel Nate McNeil will join us at the bottom of the first hour, Kedrick Prince at 10 o'clock, and then at 10.30, Jeff Carson, who has a book coming out on uh, basketball in the city of Peoria. The Peoria Illini Pipeline. Huh? Yep. That's, a, that's part of the book for sure, and also the the great playgrounds uh, to the pros is what it's called, and uh, the history of high school basketball in Peoria. I'd like to know if there's a pipeline coming again. Yeah, I, I see dried up. Guidance daughter mm-hmm. is uh, a candidate for, uh, you know, for uh, is being recruited by the Illini basketball, women's basketball team, so that could happen. But did you know that as of now, and of course, leave is leave would change the uh, what I'm going to say. But if you took the first nine players on the Illinois basketball team, I guess if you include Goody and in that he's from Indiana, that there's only one. There's not a single player who who went to high school all the way through in Illinois and then came to the University of Illinois. Uh, the only player that from Illinois is. Ty Rogers, and he was from Michigan. He was a player of the year in Michigan in right. 2021. He transferred. I believe that Ty Streets was his summer coach, and he came to coach. He came to play for Ty at Thornton Harvey last year, last season. So we do have a an Illinois graduate playing for the University of Illinois now. But uh, boy, the the recruiting has changed so much. I, I actually uh, looked this up, Steve, and, and this is an I think a really interesting stat. In the 1950s, the 10 years of the 1950s, which is a period, you know, the, the, they had the Final Four team in 51 and 52, and then had the, the good Harv Schmidt and, and Bon Sal teams with the Judson Twins and Ridley and all those good teams in the 1950s. And, and all the starting lineups, the, the, the regular starting lineups for 10 consecutive years, every single player was an Illinois product. Every single player for 10 years. And here we are, you know, now we're going to Puerto Rico, we're going to Jamaica, we're going to France, we're going to Italy, <laughs> you tell me. I mean, it's crazy how it's changed. And even the nineteen, um, the 1989 team that you just referred to, all 10 players, the top 10 players were from the state of Illinois. Right. Times they are changing. <laughs> now, my question for you, do you like it? <laughs> is I, that a fair question? No, it's a fair question, but I don't like it. I, I'm, I'll tell you, I, but, I'd love to see the Illinois players play for Illinois, but I agree with I, you. I, I like Shannon. I like Meyer. Yeah. I, oh, that's fine. And, you know, and, and Melendez from Puerto Rico. That's okay. I mean, but but uh, I mean, when I, I think it's the old story, and I've told you this a, a hundred times. When the ball goes up, I'm okay with it. But when I think about it, I think, oh man. Yeah, but it's not just here. No, and the other thing it is is you don't have any lasting loyalties. Exactly. I mean, our, the guys from uh, the two guys from Texas are going to probably be gone after this year, and they only be here about nine months. How many Kentucky players are from Kentucky? How many Kansas players are from Kansas? Yeah. You know, it's, well, you, you've been an old Kentuckian like me. Uh, what's your feeling about what's going on at Kentucky? What's happening there? I don't know. They got <clears throat> who they play today. They play Kansas, Kansas today. Yeah. And Kansas has lost three in a row. They, right. Have they ever lost four in a row in history? Don't know. <laughs> Probably, but 
anyway, uh, Kentucky is gets good recruits, but some they don't stay long in some cases, and uh, those that you know it's, they're not producing like they did. I I think that there's some concern about the coaching there. Yep. Nine fifteen. Need to take our first break. Then we'll get Sean Harrington on the line to talk some more basketball. We'll keep the phone lines open as well. Stay with us as we continue here on DWS. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. The Lanai Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. PellaofChampaign.com. Illini family, this is Brett Bielema. You've got the home of Illinois football. News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. It is 9-18. The Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Lawrence Tate, Steve Kelly with you. Phone line is open. Sean Harrington's on the line. We're going to talk some basketball in a moment. But Gary's been hanging on. Gary, what's on your mind here real quick this morning? Yeah, you know, when Lauren's talking about the lack of Illinois players on, you know, how we had so many previously and now we don't, I think one of the reasons would be the explosion of television broadcasting of all of these other schools. I mean, look how many different channels will be carrying college football, uh, basketball today. And these kids have seen all this now in the last, what, 10 years, 12 years? So all these other schools and these other teams are getting so much more exposure than, you know, Illinois had all of that uh, before. But now everybody's out there, and they get a chance to see all of that. Yeah, I think there's something to that. And, of course, the coaches, uh, we're we're changing coaches frequently who are coming in from out of state that don't have the – you know, if you go back to Harry Combs, who was coached during the 1950s, when every player on the in the Illinois—not every player on the squads, but all the starters for 10 years were all from the state of Illinois—that it was a, an approach that he took and was very strong about it. I think it's the same approach that Bielema has taken in football. Now, now they're recruiting guys in in Florida and, and New Jersey. I understand that, but boy, he's making a really strong effort in the state. And I don't think that same effort is made in the state right now because we're recruiting players all internationally. Right, right. But, you know, these kids, you know, before, I mean, I, growing up, the only thing I saw on TV was always Illinois basketball. It was just unusual to see other teams play. And um, just I just think it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. I, I'd be interested to know what Sean Harrington thinks about that. Sean, uh, can you hear me now? Sean, uh, yeah, what's to. what's your feeling about in-state recruiting and as opposed to international recruiting? Yeah, um, I, you know, obviously the, the landscape's changed a lot here uh, recently, and I think you guys all bring up some good points. I think that is part of it. It's when you know when I was growing up, you had the the regional games. I mean, I grew up watching Big Ten basketball, and that that's what you got on your weekends and. That's what you got in your weekdays. Everything was regionalized. So um, I think the rivalries were, were bigger back then. I think uh, everybody knew the teams in conference. And I think players stayed closer to home. And that is part of it is just that that's what you saw. That's what you grew up. That's what you thought college basketball was, was the region that you were in. 
Uh, and then it does have to be a conscious effort by the staff, and that's something that you have to if that if you want that to be a priority, uh, you have to get it in the in-state areas, and you have to recruit it hard. And obviously, Illinois is it has all kinds of uh, you know talent at the high school level from from all over the state. It's not just in one area, but all over the state, Illinois has got great players, and uh, you can definitely win with the players at home. But uh, I completely understand that you got to go and get great players, and if you can get someone that's great out of state, uh, and they fit your culture and they fit your your style and your program, it, it's hard to pass on somebody that you know can be a good fit, even though they're not from the state. But uh, I, I'm a big believer in in having a good amount of players from your state uh, for the state schools. I think the fans appreciate that a little bit more. Um, you know, just in my time, uh, I think Io is is legendary in illinois because he's an illinois player i think d is legendary in illinois because he's an illinois player and uh you know the good comparison is is d and darren you know same era uh both highly successful uh but d just kind of had that that energy and that charisma and i i think you know that was some of it that made him kind of the face of illinois but some of it too was he was an illinois guy and people feel like they can relate to you a little bit more when you come up through the the state rankings well, Sean, let's talk a little bit about uh, this basketball team, uh, the Illini 5-4 and four in the Big Ten going into the uh, game today against Wisconsin. The Illini a slight favorite there, but been kind of an up-and-down Big Ten season. I know you're big into the uh, plus-minus uh, differential, and Illinois stands at zero at that, at that point right now, having uh, two road wins kind of uh, negated by two home losses. But your thoughts of the way this team is playing of late? Yeah, as of late, you know, they're trending upward. And, you know, they, they, they've played well here um, the last five, six games. I, you, you like what you've seen from them. It looks like there's a nice confidence uh, with the team. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, you talk about the plus minus, it's so important to defend your home court. And especially in a year like this, you know, the, the plus minus is set up that if you win all your home games and you just split your road games, you are a Big Ten champion, and that will get you the plus five. And in most years, that's going to win it or at least get you a share. Uh, this year, where the, the conference is so balanced and you're seeing so many teams with similar records, it makes it important to defend your home court to get some separation from some of those teams and differentiate yourself from that cluster in the middle of the standings where everybody's separated by one or two games from spots two down to about 13 right now. Um, so you have to defend your home court. Uh, you know, it's disappointing in the drop two. It just means you have to go and get two on the road, and they've done that so far. I think they've got a good opportunity today. Uh, you know, if you look at the two teams right now, Illinois is trending up. Wisconsin obviously trending down. If you look at both of the teams' last five, six games, uh, Illinois has done a really good job in this series as of the last two, three years, uh, and I think that's about matchups. And I think Illinois does a really good job. When you play Wisconsin, you have to defend the three. Uh, and, and make it difficult for them to get open threes. Uh, they rely on that a lot. If they're not shooting threes, it's hard for them to get a lot of points. And only does a good job with their length and their athletic ability to stay with some shooters. And then you have to be able to guard the post one-on-one without a lot of help because that's what creates some of those rotations and open threes. And in the past, Illinois has done a really good job. Wisconsin is going to post up all five players. And all five positions for Illinois has done a really good job guarding the post in the past. And it's, it's led to some success against the Badgers here recently. Well, they've got the two big guys, uh, Wall and Crowell, and and I just wonder now, uh, how, how, 
you can't double team uh, this team, right? I mean, you you got to play them singly. And I will ask you about double teaming because that's a big discussion point right now in, in other games. But how, how do you go about stopping Wall and Crowell? Yeah, and and you when you go against Wisconsin, you want to start your plan has to be to play them straight up because you don't want to give up the threes. Uh, so when you're playing those two guys, you have to make them catch the ball farther off the block, outside the lane, um, make them back you down, make them take time uh, to get to the rim. And uh, when you talk about uh, Danger and, and, and Hawkins, I like the matchups there, but those two guys trying to back those two guys down. If they can catch it farther off the block, uh, then they start uh, backing you down, and then you have to stay straight up. Uh, and make them shoot over you. You can't give them angles. They're really good at spinning on you. They're really good at turning over either shoulder on the inside. So you have to play them straight up. So when they're shooting, they're shooting over you. Uh, and that's some pretty good length when you're talking Danger and Hawkins on the inside to make them shoot over you. And you always have to have a plan B and, and, and be ready to double down, be ready to dig on the dribble. Once they put the ball on the floor, you can send somebody, but you don't want to send a double team when they're stationary with the ball in their hands. They're good passers and they'll pass out of it. Uh, the doubles have to come on those two guys once they put the ball on the deck to try to get those guards in there with those active hands. Sean, we did not double uh, against Indiana, and Trace Jackson Davis scored 35. And I just wonder, uh, what's your thought about that? I, 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 do, you have to, do you have to gamble? I mean, you've got to pick your poison there. What, what, what would you do? Yeah, you know, you always have to have backup plans. And obviously, Indiana, if you're worried about shooting the threes, you uh, sometimes the philosophy is let him get his, don't let anybody else get theirs, right? And you have to completely shut everybody else down. If you give up 35, but you only give up uh, 20 or 25 to the rest of the team, then you have a good chance of winning the game. Obviously, some other guys hurt you a little bit in that process, but um, you know, you're talking about a Big Ten Player of the Year candidate uh, in Trace Jackson Davis. You have to, he's got to be your focal point. And when he starts getting hot like that, sending a double team, uh, switching up, and I know, uh, you know Illinois doesn't play a lot of zone, but you know, I played for Bill Self, who didn't play a lot of zone, but we always had a zone in our back pocket that we would practice a little bit weekly that you could throw at somebody to kind of mess up their rhythm and their timing, uh, but give them different looks. And, uh, you know, I think when you're playing against a player that good, you have to give them different looks. you got to give them two or three different looks. It's, it's the same as when you're playing a really good guard on the perimeter. Sometimes you got to go over the screen. Sometimes you got to trap the screen. Sometimes you got to switch the screen. You got to give them different looks so they can't adjust to it and, and, and keep them guessing a little bit because great players are gonna are just gonna tear you up if you play it the same way for 40 minutes. They they find the angles. They find uh, the opportunities to score. Another minute or two with Sean Harrington. Speaking of Big Ten Player of the Year, if you had to vote today, who would it be? Well, I'm always big in uh, you know. The awards go to the teams that are winning as well. And Zach Eady is as dominant as anybody in the league right now. He's playing as good as anybody in the league right now. And he's playing on by far the best team in the league right now. So, um, you know, he, he gets he gets your vote right now. Just the, the way that he's playing, he's, he's, he's a difficult matchup. And their team's playing extremely well. So, to me, it's a no-brainer at this point in the season that, that he should be your Big Ten Player of the Year. How good is Purdue? Uh, they're very good, and you know it's a obviously Edie's the key, and as long as he's not on the floor, it's it's a different dynamic that you have to guard. Their their young guys are really playing well right now. 
you're almost waiting for them to maybe hit a little bit of that freshman wall or that, that second half of the Big Ten, the second time you see a team, uh, the prep maybe, um, you know, can, can slip them up a little bit where, where teams are a little bit more prepared for them now after you see them the first time. But they, but they look really good. They're guarding extremely well. Anytime you guard, you're going to be in a game. And, and they're making big shots. And, um, you know, they can win different ways, too. They can, they can get a high-scoring game, and they can get a slugfest as well. So teams that can win different styles in different ways are dangerous. You know, they've found a way to pull out some uh, Big Ten close games. I, I wonder about them in the NCAA tournament, I, but I guess you'd say that about anybody out of the Big Ten. It's just a different game once you get into postseason play. It is. It's, it, we say it. It sounds easy. It's all about matchups, but it really is. You know, they, I, we talk about the Big Ten. There's not much difference 2 through 13. I don't think there's much difference between number one and number 25 in the country right now. So when you get to the NCAA tournament, uh, you know, that, that means that's your top five, six seeds. If you start looking at those 25 teams, um, you know, I don't think there's much difference from a two seed to a six seed. And, and so it's going to be fun. It's going to be, uh, you know, you get a good matchup, you get on a hot weekend, and that's all it is in the NCAA tournament. You, you get hot for a weekend and you're in the Sweet 16. So um, that's why we love it, and it is about matchups. And, you know, Big Ten's going to get, you know, eight, nine, ten teams in potentially. So, uh, you know, there, there are several teams in the Big Ten that with good matchups and get hot on the weekend can make a run to the Sweet 16. Sean Harrington, we always appreciate talking basketball with you. We'll do it again here before the season's over. Thank you. Not a problem. Enjoy the game today, guys. You too. Sean Harrington with us, former Illini sharpshooter here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It's 9.30. We're going to talk some Illinois football in just a moment. We're going to take a quick timeout and be back with one of the staff members, Nate McNeil, here on the show. Stay with us. Back after this. Hey, Illini family. It's Illini women's basketball coach Shauna Green. Don't miss a minute of Illini basketball this season on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM DWS. It is moving up on 933 Illini Saturday Sports Talk. This is Steve Kelly, Lawrence Eight, with me as always. And we're here until 11 o'clock. Talk some Big Ten basketball with Sean Harrington. We've got the phone lines open, too, if you'd like to join us, 217-356-9397. Some Illinois football conversation now. We welcome to the program Nate McNeil, the uh, football director of player personnel. Good morning, Nate. How are you? Good morning. How are you good? We're doing good. Just kind of wanted to touch uh, base with you on what's going on over there at the, the Smith Center this time of year. I know you got some... Some new guys on campus at the semester, uh, the start of the new semester. Talk a little bit about that and uh, what else is going on. The coaches are out on the road some too, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. It's been a pretty busy month um, just from coming back from the bowl game. Um, really no days off since. Uh, came in uh, that weekend, had some visitors, official visits that weekend. Next week we had uh, the newcomers move in, So and we just been on the, you know, we hit the ground running after the bowl game, so. Talk a little bit about uh, what that title means, Director of Player Personnel, all the things that uh, you have your hands on. Yeah, for sure. So my title, um, basically my job is I kind of handle all the scouting of all the high school prospects that we recruit, right? So I'm breaking down the film, um, me and our staff, we got a couple of assistants that help do this as well. Uh, we're going over names, we're watching film, we're going on Twitter, we're doing our research so that um, we can funnel it all to the coaches 
and ultimately they make the decisions based on our evaluations. Nate, this is Lauren. Uh, you say you uh, scout for high schools. Do you, do you have a separate group there under Bielma that, that is looking into the portal? Yes, yes. So Jake, J- Jason Kaiser, he is our uh, uh, director of college scouting, uh, mm-hmm. college personnel. So he handles the portal. Um, and then the, the two assistant uh, director player personnel, they also, um, you know, they would, they'll evaluate some portal guys as well, as well as myself. But my primary focus is um, the high schoolers. Okay. Now, with the high schools, are you pretty much done as far as this coming year is concerned? I mean, you've, what, uh, you've got, uh, you, you announced a group, and I, I know there's another portal group coming out after spring ball, but what about high schools? Are you pretty much done there for um, this year? Pretty much. It, it might, it, we, we're waiting on a, a, a few more uh, uh, high schoolers to see what they do. Um, obviously, signing day is this Wednesday coming up, so it's a couple more kids, um, you know, I can't really speak on who they are. Because mm-hmm. um, they're not signed, but a couple more kids that we, you know, could potentially be in the running for. So we'll see. As you analyze the squad, I know you have to base your judgments on the the areas that of most need. What do you? Would it be fair to say, let's say, uh, defensive line? Would this be a, an area that is uh, of, of extreme importance right now? Even though you got your two tackles back, uh, and and you got yeah. some, but I, I just wonder in the long run. Uh, if you look back the last three or four years, we haven't done very well in high school recruiting for the defensive line. Yeah, I would say um, just just seeing the trend of college football, um, defensive line is that's a position of, um, you know, it's not a lot of how can I say this? It's not a lot of elite players at that position. So when they do pop up, especially in our state, you know, that's why you'll see some of these SEC schools, you know. Miami, those guys will come to Illinois to offer these type of guys because just just to have those elite um, defensive linemen, interior guys, is um, it's it's a big deal, you know. Um, so, yeah, I would I would say it, it is important. Um, it's important to us. Um, so, we'll see what happens here in the next couple of days. Are you in any way uh, involved with the NIL? I am not. I personally, um, we cannot be involved in it. Um, you know, so that's kind of not in my lane. Uh, but, you know, I see what goes on, and, you know, it's, it's definitely changing for sure. But when you're recruiting, can you you can suggest how much a player at that position at Illinois might have gotten last year? Can you Do you do that sort of thing? Oh, I mean, I guess you can speak on what current players are getting. Uh, but, you know, again, though, some of those numbers aren't disclosed to us. So I usually try to just stay away from it and stick to the football side and then, uh, just like the coaches, if they want to have those conversations, um, if kids got questions about that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. uh, direct them in the point of head, the head coach. So, Talking to Nate McNeil, give us a little bit uh, about your background. You played football at NIU, but what where did you play high school? And uh, what uh, after you got done at NIU, give us a, an idea of where you've been. Yeah, yeah. So um, I went to high school at Thornwood High School over in South Holland. Um, you know, kind of moved around a lot uh, when I was little. So ended up uh, in that district um, when it was time to go to high school. Um, so went there, played there, uh, went to junior college after that. Okay, so I went to Harper Junior College in Schaumburg, Illinois, back when they had football. Um, so played there for two years. And then from there, went to NIU. Uh, it's funny, uh, Coach Doran, who was uh, Brett Bielema's, um DC at Wisconsin, 
he got the job at Northern. So his first year, you know, I came in under him. Um, so that's how there was a connection there. Um, and the first, our first game, actually, we played um, Coach B, Wisconsin's team at Soldier Field. So we got to play against Aaron Henry and Vanellis was out there. So that was, uh, it's, it's, it's just funny how everything comes full circle, you know. So after uh, I played at Northern, um, started GAing at Northern, um, so got my master's, did the coaching thing, and then they hired me full-time to run recruiting there. And then after that, came here um, under Lovey staff, so I was here for three years, um, and then I left, went to Temple for two, and then Coach B got back. I'm back here now. So Illinois always has a special place in my heart. I um, actually wanted to go here uh, out of high school, obviously. Didn't get recruited enough, so I went the JUCO route, and then, you know, NIU gave me the opportunity, and I took it. So is getting uh, is getting on the sideline in in coaching is that still something that that uh, is in your uh, progression? You think? I don't think so. Um, I'll never say never, but I like what I do now. Um, just being able to find players and connect with families and like this is uh I like I like being on this side behind the scenes, you know. Had a question on our text line asking uh which positions are the hardest to evaluate for you? For me, since I'm a defensive uh guy and I play defense, uh, pretty much everything on defense is easy for me. Mm-hmm. Um I would say um ooh, that's a good question. I would probably say uh, just because I haven't had that much experience in it, um, I would say probably quarterbacks. Um, you know, every offensive coordinator is different in what they look for. Um, some guys, you know, in terms of stature, some guys want certain things. Um, and some guys want ability. The athletic ability matters. Um, you know, you got to look at a lot of mechanical things um, on tape. Um, from throwing motion to footwork to release, you know, how quick is he getting the ball out? Um, how how long can he throw the ball? Is, is he accurate? You know, those things uh, all play into account, um, and it takes a lot of time to evaluate a quarterback. You had, uh, what, like 15 players, I think, were on the court the other night at the basketball game introduced as as uh, new enrollees. Talk about those guys a little bit, and what do they go through in these early um, – early weeks and months before uh, before spring ball. Yeah, so that's kind of the trend of college football now. Like, in high school, a lot of guys are starting to graduate early. You know, they're completing their NCAA requirements, and the schools, they're letting them go. Um, and I think it's a huge advantage for these guys. Like, they're here, so they get a semester um, to get um, – so, the first, what they're doing now, they're in an eight-week program, uh, strength and conditioning. So, obviously, they can get their bodies right before spring ball. Um, they get a chance to get in the classroom and learn a campus um, before the other freshmen get in in June. So they'll have that under their belt. And then the biggest thing is the spring practices, right? Like they'll have those 15 practices. Um, you know, they'll get the installs. They'll get the defense, the offense. They'll learn everything and how we do things so that when the other freshmen get here in the summer and we start to cycle up again, you know, they're not necessarily rookies in that sense. You've got two brand-new quarterbacks. Altmeyer uh, was – came from Mississippi, and uh, Paddock. Paddock from uh, Ball State. Uh, Ball State. Uh, what, wh- how, how do you uh, teach them the off? I, I know you want to teach them the offense before spring ball starts. How does that, how does that, is, can Lenny get involved in that, or how, how does that work? 
Yeah, so, um, you know, it's voluntary. Obviously, if they want to come in and, uh, you know, have a meeting with his coach, he, he can do so. Um, there's particular hours that we have them for. Um, so once we get into spring ball, you know, we'll start meetings and things like that. Um, and a lot of stuff is player driven. So, you know, if they're out there throwing, running routes and stuff like that, it's, it's all player, you know, driven. Um, so they'll do that stuff. But, uh, yeah, um, once we start meetings and everything like that, like we'll start from the beginning. I imagine all those guys will get to know Tank Wright pretty well, won't they? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, Tank is a Tank's phenomenal, man. And, you know, just walking in the building every day and seeing those guys down there, the energy that's in that room, uh, you know, the music's loud. They're in there getting it, getting after it. It's 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 pretty uh, chilling to see. On the day that uh, Brett Bielma was hired, the day that he took the job, he began immediately in uh, reaching out and trying to reconnect with high school coaches throughout the state. How's that going in your mind? You're part of that as well. Yeah, I feel it's going really well. Um, you know, we had some uh, coaches depart. So I was able to get on the road these last two weeks and, um, you know, I pretty much hit Chicago land area. And, uh, you know, the, I think the buzz is back for Illinois football. Um, they appreciate everything that we're doing um, from us reaching out to, you know, every coach in the state. Um, <clears throat> Pat Ryan has done a, a tremendous job being our director of high school relations. Um, just his deep ties with the state and Illinois high school football um, and his uh, relationships with coaches. It's just been a, it's been refreshing um, to see um, these guys being bought into what Illinois is doing. And they're very receptive to us, you know, coming in schools and stuff like that. So I'm excited um, to see where this thing continues to go. I see uh, uh, Bielma and the other coaches uh, seeing pictures on, on, uh, of them in uh, New Jersey and and different places, of course, around the state, some of the uh, schools around the state. Who schedule is that done? Does he do that, or, or is, that, is that scheduled for him? Does he just have a list and, and say, okay, this is where I'm supposed to show up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? I mean, how, how does that work? Yeah, so um, Pat Emilton, who's our executive director of recruiting and personnel, mm-hmm. um, him and Coach B, they work together on the schedule. Um, you know, a lot of times it comes from uh, recruit actually – when Coach B is talking to guys, um, so as a head coach, you get one time, you know, to see these kids. So really, really, that starts in December, um, and then it goes into January before the dead period on in February first. But he's got basically four weeks to see everybody that we've got committed or signed. Um, so, you know, typically in December, you try to do the guys um, that will be here early. Um, you know, go go to their high schools and then go visit them in their homes and then use January to get the guys that will be here later. So basically him and Pat Hamilton, they sit down, they do, the, they do his schedule and then pair up the, other co- the coaches that need to be on those visits. And then we go from there. Well, Nate, you work for Lovey. How different is this, this approach than the approach that Lovey took? I, um, I mean, particularly in, in state. In state, yeah, it's, it's a lot different. Um, I think Coach B, being an Illinois guy himself, um, you know, there's a lot of pride in the state, and there's a lot of good players in the state, um, you know, and if we can build a fence around the state, I think we'll be pretty successful. Go to bowl games every year, you might get that done, right? That certainly doesn't hurt. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that makes it easier. Absolutely. Hey, Nate, appreciate your time. Good to catch up with you, and uh, we'll do it again uh, down the road, and thanks for taking time with us. Awesome. Appreciate you, Steve and Lauren. You bet. Take care.
That's uh, Nate McNeil from the uh, football office, director of player personnel. 946, phone line is open. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll hear some comments from Luke Altmeyer. We mentioned him. He uh, talked to the media a day or so ago. We'll have some of those comments and take any calls you might have as well. We'll be back after this. Stay with us. Hey, Illini family. It's Brad Underwood. Every Illinois basketball game is right here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, DWS. And the next game is this afternoon, 2 o'clock, 12 noon pregame coverage. Illinois at Wisconsin today, a Big Ten battle at the Kohl Center. Phone line is open at 950 217-356-9397. Good morning, Carl. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Good, good. What's up? Well, I was just wondering, has there any been any rumor about who the new, two new coaches are going to be? Or I haven't heard much of a, a rumor there at all. I think it uh, sounds like he's waiting on the NFL season to uh, conclude when... Each week it gets closer and closer to that, but I've not really heard many names bantered around. Have you, Lauren? No, I have no idea who he's going to hire. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering, Steve, did you leave the crutches in Nashville? Did I leave my crutches in Nashville? No. They came back with me. I'm able to get down on on, on short trips. I'm able to go on one crutch at the moment, so... Thanks for asking. I'm I'm making progress slowly but surely. About another week, you think? Week to two weeks? Yeah, I won't be jogging anytime soon, or maybe ever. Um, but yeah, I can I can get around the house without. Well, I shouldn't say that. My therapist wouldn't be real happy. But uh, I can get around some short trips without a crutch. But uh, I, I have one like, with me. You like me? I do all my uh, jogging on a stationary bike. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Seated. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious how you were doing. Well, I appreciate that, girl. I appreciate you asking. Okay. Well, have a good day, guys. Okay, you too. Bye. Yeah, see ya. 9.51 is the time. Luke Altmeyer is one of the uh, transfer quarterbacks. He came in from Ole Miss. Interestingly, uh, with him, you know, he was in the portal, and yet he elected to stay with his team, Lauren. and he yeah, uh, That showed good in, character. In, in the bowl game. Yeah, and got in briefly. Real briefly. Mm-hmm. Here's what he had to say this week about uh, coming to Illinois. The portal is crazy, but you know I think the belief that Coach B and um, the staff just had, you know, with this team and the previous previous success that they had, and you know being really close to having a really special year was, um, you know, really cool. And I wanted to be a part of it, and you can tell with these guys in this locker room and this staff that, you know, they're really hungry and, you know, have a real belief. During the short amount of time I was in the portal and, you know, being on a visit for, you know, less than a day here um, and growing that relationship with Coach Lenny, um, you know, I believe it was his first year in, first year in the offense and, you know, for a quarterback like Tommy, you know, it's hard, um, you know, having one year under a coordinator, but um, it was evident, you know, the success they had and obviously the running back was, you know, really special. So, um, and Coach Lenny had a lot of success at UTSA, too. And you know, I believe I can do whatever's asked from him. And I believe um, this group can be really special. That's Luke Altmeyer. He has some similarities to DeVito size-wise. Mm-hmm. Not when you hear him speak. <laughs> they yeah. sound quite a bit different. Yeah. Uh, DeVito had that New Jersey twang about him. There's a little different between Mississippi and New Jersey. <laughs> no doubt. 
And you know, he's he. I think he played high school ball at Starkville, so he's he did, been in yeah. Mississippi his whole. You know, I should. I don't know about his whole life, but he's certainly a, a, a big portion of it, and maybe all of it. And and to move up here in Champaign in, in the middle of the snow belt, <laughs> at least the last week we had some. And and you know, it's got to be new, and he's got to. You know, you got to meet new people. And the one thing I will say about Bielema is he's he has a great. I, I don't think we're having a banner year with transfers this year. We've got two or three that look like they're they're going to play Harper and Arkin at tight end and and and, and you know and, and Altmeyer and maybe Paddock. But uh, I think that that uh, Bielema continues to show uh, a unique ability to, to bring back players who might otherwise have left, and 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 to bring in players who. You know, have a certain maturity about them, and I, I think next year when we take the field, you're going to see a pretty mature team out there. I mean, in terms of experience and and background in college football, there is a new hire for Illinois football that was oh. announced just uh, this hour. Really, Charlie Bullen, B-U-L-L-E-N, has been named the outside linebackers coach and pass rush coordinator. Mm-hmm. He comes here from the Arizona Cardinals where he spent the last four years. He has 11 years of coaching experience in the National Football League. So Charlie Bullen will be the outside linebacker coach and pass rush coordinator, announced this morning by Brett Bielma. And uh, that announcement uh, was sent out uh, just shortly after 9 o'clock this morning. Well, so, that, that's certainly uh, good news for the uh – Outside, and you're calling them outside linebackers, and I'm going to call them defensive ends because that's what they are. I'm calling them what they said right here in the I, release. I know you are, and so is everybody else. <laughs> I'm the only person in America that calls them defensive ends because that's what they are. <laughs> but uh, and nevertheless, uh, outside linebackers, he's, he's got a good room there. He's got some new ones coming in, and he's got some good uh, veteran players coming back. That defensive line should be really solid. There's just one position right now that I would call uh, open, and by the way, did you notice Calvin Avery's, Avery's been doing pretty well in, has, in, yeah. uh, in training for the NFL? I'm not saying he's going to make a team because I would say that going into the thing, he, he wouldn't make a team. But maybe that's changed because he seems to be uh, much making a hit and uh, in that regard. And they got to replace him. And they have Edwards from Northwestern, a transfer who came in last year. But that position is very thin, very, very, very thin. And it wouldn't hurt if they could pick up another uh, nose nose tackle or nose guard, whatever you want to call him. Well, we talked about uh, the NFL season and how that might be a factor in at least one of the hirings, and that mm, turned out to be the case. Yeah, well, Bullen was the uh, Cardinals' outside linebacker coach, so he's he'd be coaching a position that he's very familiar with, and he's coaching players, as I said. He's got veteran players there that uh, – that ought to be able to make pretty, Illinois a pretty good pass rush team next year, particularly with with the two tackles back. I mean, Newton is one of the best pass rushers among tackles in the country, and you know that, that's uh, that's a strong position. He started his coaching career coincidentally at Iowa as a student assistant and then a grad assistant. So there's a connection with Coach Bielma. Then he spent time with the Miami Dolphins in uh, two or three different uh, categories, a defensive assistant, defensive line coach, and assistant linebacker coach. He was assistant linebacker coach for the Cardinals before being named the outside linebackers coach. And uh, as I mentioned, he uh, spent the last four years as that uh, 
uh, with that title of outside linebackers coach with the Arizona Cardinals. By the way, he attended Fremd High School and as uh, a native of Palatine. So he's a native Illinoisan. Charlie Bullen, the newest Illini assistant coach, named officially this morning. 9.57 is the time, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. And if you were looking for windows or doors, of course, we always talk about the Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. They've got a limited time special going on for seniors. They've got a $500 off of qualifying Pella products you should check out if you're thinking about upgrading your windows. That's one of the best investments you can make, especially if you're thinking about selling in the next few years. Energy-efficient windows can save you money over time. In fact, the uh, Pella Lifestyle Series is, on average, 83% more energy-efficient than single-pane windows. You can increase your home's appeal inside and out, and it doesn't hurt the value of your home either. You could take uh, advantage of many modern innovations. If you like to check it out, why wait? Act now to enhance your home in so many ways. The offer extends, or rather expires, on February the 11th of this year. So call Mike Mary and his team, 833-923-2203, to schedule your free in-home consultation and lock in your special savings today. You can learn more about it by giving them a call. That's the Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. That wraps up the first hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Back with hour number two, some more basketball conversation after this here on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're with you until 11 o'clock. As usual, Illinois basketball this afternoon. The Illini on the road in Madison against those pesky Badgers who have lost like four of their last five. Illinois has won four of its last five. Something's got to give. Both those teams right in the middle of the uh, Big Ten standings at the moment. I was going to say Big Ten race. I'm not sure it's much of a race for the championship, at least, a regular season title with Purdue running away at 9-1. and one. Kedrick Prince from IlliniGuys.com is with us on the line. Ked, how are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. How are you this morning? Good. How are you feeling about this game today, Illinois-Wisconsin? Well, I, to me, I penciled this game looking at the season, the way the season has gone. This is a big game. I don't want. They're all big. This is huge for Illinois because they've won five or six. 
Um, Wisconsin is not playing the best their best basketball right now, mm-hmm. and you know Illinois has a, an opportunity to distance themselves, but you got to split on the road. You know um, they play Wisconsin, then you're going to have a chance to play Nebraska, but then you know going to Iowa City is going to be tough. I and mean, Illinois had some success against Iowa, but that was when they had the big fellow, and he's no longer here. So I think today's game is huge because if you're going to beat Wisconsin at some point in time, they're going to turn this around and. Teams traditionally, you know, when they lose that many games and Wisconsin's a good program, they figure things out. And I just hope that Illinois is able to not go in there and lay an egg today and they take care of business. Because if they want to get a top four seed in the Big Ten tournament, you got to win games like this. Well, uh, what, as you view this Illinois team, what, how do you see it evolving with the, the use of danger, the use of apps? I mean, uh, it looks to me like they've settled on a lineup here, although I'm not sure how many minutes Danger's going to be able to get uh, if he can't avoid fouls. You know what's tough? Now I think you're starting to see, at least the last few games, that he didn't play a lot last year. Some of his fouls are really silly fouls. I mean, and I know fans may not like to hear that, but, you know, when you shove a guy in the back right in the middle of the free throw line, there's two officials, the side official and the baseline official, they're going to see that. You can't have those kind of fouls because what it does, it limits his play, and he's too good offensively. He rebounds well, and he blocks shots, and they need him on the court. He doesn't understand that he's hurting his team by doing that, but they need Dane. And I'm really glad to see Dave Neps inserted in the starting lineup because they've started so slow offensively in the last few games, and no disrespect to Sir Harris. He's just not a scoring guard, and he's a great defensive player, but Jaden gives you another added dimension on the offensive side of the floor. And one of the reasons I think he wasn't playing a lot earlier, Jaden Epps, because of his defense. But last game against Ohio State, I thought he made a really cautious effort to guard. He was able to fight through screens because they're not switching as much anymore. So I like the opportunity that he's been given. But, you know, going back to today, I mean, Wisconsin's a tough place. And they play, they play well. They play defense without fouling, even though it looks like it. They need this win today. I think today is going to be an opportunity for them to say, hey, you know what, we're going to be a top four seed because Purdue's going to win the Big Ten. I mean, people can pretend that they're not going to. You know this race is over. Everybody else is just trying to follow them. Well, you follow recruiting close. And, and with the Illinois bringing in players uh, this semester, uh, Perrin, and, and, uh, and you know, they've got a player from France and a player from Italy, what does this mean to the high school recruiting, in your view? Well, that's a really good question. <clears throat> it's a good question because in the last week, um, they came up to me with a lot of high school coaches and some recruits. And I listened to the first hour of your show, and it's you know about having kids from Illinois being on the roster. There's so many mixed feelings, and I don't want to burst a fan's bubble on a Saturday morning, but there's a lot of old school guys that are in the state of Illinois who just – they don't like Illinois. They're just not sold on him. And I would give Brad Underwood credit because he wants to recruit the state, like Brett Bielema and Sean Green. They're all, you know, recruiting the state. But you can't make kids come. I mean, you can use NIL as an, as an opportunity, but other schools are offering the same thing. Illinois is just a tough place where people sometimes just say, hey, I don't, you know, this isn't for me or what have you. But I will give them credit, like I just said. If they go, uh, you know, Kobe Bears from Jamaica, you know, it, you know, it'd be nice if he was from the state of Illinois. But let's be honest, he was a you know two-time All-American, and it worked out well for them, you know. So I get it, and it looks good on paper. But no state keeps every kid at home. I look at the women's basketball recruiting, and I look at the top 100. And the state of Iowa had 
three players from the state of Iowa in the women's basketball, and none of them are going to Iowa. So mm-hmm. it, it happens. It's just it's just the nature of the game right now. Well, you live and work in the Quad Cities. There's a player there named Owen Freeman who is going to Iowa. Your thoughts about that, and did he ever really uh, consider Illinois? He, you know, he, he really did. I actually, the last time I seen him, well, I seen him play in the Quad Cities, but during the summer, I went to a, I went to a recruiting event in Bloomington. He was there, and Coach Underwood was there, and you know, we talked about him. And Illinois really liked him because Coach Underwood likes those stretch four guys that can shoot it. If you look at his game, Steve, he looks a lot like you know Matthew Meyer, which is what why Illinois pursued him. Um, he liked Illinois, but I think the Iowa fit is better for him. And this, this sounds really funny. Iowa doesn't typically play great defense, and that was one of the things I thought Illinois kind of, you know, was you know they they debated on if he could guard the way they want to guard, and then Iowa that's not real demanding. Um, the other guy, Brock Harding, on the same team, Steve. I mean, he was a guy when um, Orlando Antigua was here on the staff. He recruited him pretty hard as well because he thought he had a chance to to do something well. So those two kids were playing together for a moment, but Owen I think is going to do good things at Iowa. I think he's going to score. He's an Iowa type of player. He's actually a Wisconsin type player. Those big, tall guys that can shoot it. And you know, but in Wisconsin, you got to play defense as well, which is another reason why I think he ends up at Iowa. Because I know Wisconsin recruited him, but that's just not a part of his game. That I think that's demanding, and he's really, really good at this point. Have you kept up at all with Sky Clark? And do you know what he's doing now? What and what do you think he might do in the future? You know, I talked to his dad. I mean, I'm I'm glad you asked that question. He's a, you know, the dad and the family, you know, they're good people. And out of respect to them and, and the coaches and how this whole thing transpired, it's tough because I know there's more things going on with their family than what the, you know, the average person knows. And at some point in time, it will come out. I mean, I, you know, what, what actually happened that people will see. Um, and it was, I mean, people thought it was just rumors about him not being a good teammate him not getting along, and I want to make this reference. Um, when Sky's last game, when they played, they only played at Northwestern, um, there was a technical foul, and Sky Clark was the guy at half court putting his arms around all the players and getting all the players to come and, you know, this whole camaraderie thing. So there was no bad blood. There's just some things that goes on in people's personal lives that they need to deal with, and I respect an 18, 19-year-old kid to go help take care of himself or his family. But, yeah, I do talk to the family. They're good people, and they're heartbroken over this. I mean, and they've seen some of the comments that people make, and that's just the nature of the beast today. But at some point when people find out, I think they'll they'll, they'll really understand what actually happened. As far as you know, uh, is he going to sit out this year of uh, this semester, or is he going to enroll somewhere else or back at Illinois? They haven't said that, but there's a lot of people thinking that he um, is going to sit out. I would be very surprised. I would never say never. Both of you have been around at this for a long time. I would never say never. But if he ended back up in Champaign, I would be very, very surprised. Well, I, yeah, I was I was told by one of the people very close to the program that he's not coming back here. But I just wondered uh, if he uh, – I'm told that he is eligible based on one semester of uh, schooling. Uh, I, I bring that up because I, I at first I thought if he didn't go to school this semester, would he be eligible to play somewhere else next year? And I'm told he would. And that's not official. That's just what I was told. No, I, I, I believe I believe that's correct. And I know there's some schools that are probably pursuing him, and 
you know, but I think right now what those schools are doing, and I know the thing that, you know, people don't understand, Coach Underwood and the staff and Josh Whitman, they're very, very good at helping kids in the situation. So what I mean by that, if uh, another school was calling to pursue Sky Clark or the overtime elite or whoever, they are going to help do everything they can to help make sure that this kid has a chance to play and he's successful. There's no bad, bitter blood that people, you know, think that between the staff. So if he is looking to play, which I know he is, and this is important to his father, you know, his father is extremely, extremely passionate about Illinois basketball. We probably talked once a week, just basketball and life. So that's why I felt bad about for the situation for the kid and his family. So, um, he'll play again. He really, truly will. And I know that's what his dad wants and his family wants that. So at some point in time, he'll he'll surface. And maybe if dad lets me know, I'll definitely reach out to you guys. And, you know, I'll give you the heads up and you're more than welcome to, to promote it on your show. But we do talk still. Talking to Kedrick Prince, what's uh, the latest on recruiting? Uh, who's who's at the top of the Illinois recruiting board, would you say? Right now, I would really say, I mean, Cole Serta, the guy out of Bloomington Central Catholic, um, I know he has been on campus three times, and I know his parents are big Illinois fans, and that makes a big difference. I mean, it really does. And I think if you look at what Coach Underwood is doing, he is, I mean, he's always like shooters. He has, and I, I love that about him. And um, Cole is a guy that can score multiple different ways, and a lot of people aren't sold on him, but what I'll tell you when Illinois, excuse me, when Northwestern and Penn State offered him, I think it opened up a lot of eyes. Cole told me that there's some other Big Ten schools and Big 12 schools now that are showing interest in him. So I think, you know, and during the season, guys, they recruit, but it's really tough for them to go out to go see some of these kids and get these kids on campus, not just in Illinois, but a lot of places. Like, I was very surprised to see Amani Hansberry on campus because Coach Frazier and I talked, you know, a while back, and he said it's tough to get these kids on campus to the weeknights. It depends on what time the games are, like if they play Michigan State at 8 o'clock on a Friday night. So a lot of that stuff is real tough to get these kids on campus. And then, you know, and then them being able to get out and see because they're playing so many days. And we heard the whole 19-day stretch where they were practicing playing. So it's tough. And I think once um, the state tournament rolls around, I think you'll start hearing more names and, I would be very surprised that you're going to see more transfers in the transfer portal. Um, that I know there was some interest, and they've not given any names, but there's some interest of some more transfers. They're definitely interested in Illinois, who probably will be leaving their teams at the, at the end of the school year. You know, when I think about that transfer portal, I read where there were 1,700 players went in in one year. I don't know how many will go in this year, but boy, that's a lot of players to have to figure out, you know, who, where's the, you know, which is, which ones could help us and which ones wouldn't help us. But is, is it? Yeah, Lauren, and, and, and every team is different. you got to get the fit. I mean, and if you look at what they've done this year, they got – Illinois has two guys that fit what they needed. They needed a really athletic wing and a downhill guy. You know, um, most fans, including myself and media people, felt that R.J. Melendez was going to be that guy. He's done great defensively, but offensively hasn't been that guy. So Tan Shannon has fit that bill. And you look at a guy, that another stretch four, who goes alongside Coleman Hawkins, and I think Matthew fits that. I think, personally, Matthew Meyer is going to be the key to this entire season. And when they succeed – because you guys talk about most teams will start two guys six eight six nine, 
Well, Illinois has three guys like that, and the guy that everybody mm-hmm. forgets about is a guy like Matthew Meyer, because typically there's a guy six four guarding him. That's why you're mm-hmm. able to see him get to the rack and get to the rim and shoot over people, because he's not having to guard guys that are guarding Colin and Dame Danger. So, I mean, those two transfers are great, and I give the staff credit. They look at me. They don't care about rankings. Those two players that they went after, and then Dane Danger is another transfer that they look at that can really help a roster, not just to put a player on there because he, he he's good. So I know there's going to be some needs because Terrence Shannon could come back. I highly doubt that he will, uh, but he's more than you know. He has another year where he could play. But those transfers that they go after, I'm really impressed with them. I'm going to throw this one out of a you know that you won't be expecting. Podzimski. Averaging nearly 20 points a game for Santa Clara. And I've often wondered why, basically, I don't think there was a great effort to keep him, retain him. And I'm wondering, was that because he was not, uh, didn't fit with Underwood defensively? Is that the reason, or do you think there was something else? Well, I do think it was something else. And I will tell you this, and it's okay to ask that question. They loved Illinois. I mean, there's a kid from Wisconsin, you know, a different state that flat out loved the University of Illinois. But, you know, when I talked to his father when he left, it was a business decision for both parts. And I don't know, um, sometimes when kids leave or some kids you recruit, you don't think they're going to pan out, some do. I mean, obviously right now, I mean, you know, people are into this draft board. I mean, he's late, but his names are on those draft boards because he's putting up numbers and the kid did have, you know, a lot of good high school accolades and, I think there's probably, you know, a combination of things why it didn't work out for him and things that maybe he said to the coaches or they promised him and there's a, a bunch of different things that he mentioned to me, but he, but there's no hard feelings and now he's happy. I've talked to him since he's been out there. He's very, very happy. But sometimes when you look at a kid, you don't know. and you, some, I'm not saying the only one made a mistake, but you don't know these kids are going to project what you think. Jeremy Fears, uh, the kid out of Joliet's another one. Illinois recruited him really well, hard, and then there was a stretch of like eight or nine games. He looked awful as a player. And now you look at him, he's a McDonald's All-American. So there's a lot that goes into this, and there's no perfect science, you know, with these kids, and you hope that you get what you are expecting for some of these kids, and, you know, defensively that does make a difference with Underwood. Tell me a guy who starts on their starting five that doesn't play defense, because all five of those guys do. If you can't guard, you're not playing for him. What do you expect today in 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 Madison? What 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 do you uh, what's the key for Illinois in beating this team? I think Illinois needs to jump out and start early. If they come out and they go two for twelve from three, they have to stop settling for threes that are contested. I don't mind the three ball either, but they shot way too many contested threes last week. Mm-hmm. That those are poor percentages. And my philosophy as a former coach, those are turnovers to me. Go over two from the free throw line. You know, you can't go nine for 23 like they did against Indiana and expect to win, but you got to shoot 75% from the free throw line or better. And you and so and they're very good at getting to the rim. I think they should try that early, get them in foul trouble, because if you go to Madison, as well as they play defense, as good as they are defensively, excuse me, and just chuck up a bunch of threes, that's going to be a long night. I don't care about the five or six losses that they've had. There's a reason that the spread's only two. You know, whatever the reason people think, Illinois has traditionally, they'll come up there and they'll do those things and they beat themselves. Because talent-wise, we've heard, you know, Ben Johnson from Minnesota say it and Tom Izzo say it. They're the most talented team in the Big Ten, but they're a team that'll make you pull your hair out because they'll do things that they shouldn't do 
to cause them to lose games. Who, in your mind, at this point, is the Big Ten Player of the Year? <laughs> without, without a doubt, Zach Eady. I'm not disrespecting Trace Jackson Davis, but Trace Jackson Davis started his campaign for Player of the Year against Illinois. Zach Eady's right. done it from the first game, and he's still doing it. I'm not even one of those guys who believe in your team must win to win the Big Ten Player of the Year. I'll use Deion Thomas. Deion Thomas had a great, great career in Illinois, and I thought he got snubbed on a lot of teams because he put up all those numbers, but people quote-unquote punished him because he didn't play on, on a bunch of great teams. You don't take it away from a player. I don't believe in teams have to win. If a player's performing because kids transfer, injuries happen, they hurt teams. Zach Eady, to me, is the most dominant player. There's yet to be any coach in college basketball who has an answer for him because there's not. And as you know, people who watch the only basketball, you, could, you should appreciate that because you watched Kofi do it for three years. So, I mean, I applaud the guy. And the difference is you really can't foul him because he shoots 75% of the free throw line. So, Trace is great. He looks good against Illinois, gets good against, you know, all these other teams in Minnesota. But the bottom line, Zach Eady is not just a player in the Big Ten. I think nationally, he's a tough, tough matchup. Do you have Terrence Shannon on your first team All-Big Ten? Yes, I do, and I've seen that question asked by many people. Tanner Shannon is after 18, 19 points a game. He is one of the tougher guys, tougher guys in the league to guard. There's always going to be guys that you can leave out. I've seen Pickett be left out. There's so many players that could make the first team that you could say, hey, you know what? What about this guy? What about that guy? We've seen that before. I mean, I think Trent Frazier should have been um, received more accolades, but everybody's not going to get that. And Terrence Shannon. Right now, I mean, I said Matthew Myers is an important part of this team, I think, moving forward. But Terrence Shannon is the reason, the sole reason that this team is even put on the map right now. People are looking at them. He's the focal point of everybody's scouting report. And, they're, you know, they beat two teams that were in the top ten in the country, and he played well in those games. And, he's, and even when Illinois struggled against Indiana and Michigan State, he was still the guy. So I, I would be very surprised if he didn't make the first team, but then again, I've seen stranger things, and LA needs to win, because like I said, a lot of people like for teams to win, to put those kids on those first teams, and I'm not a fan of it, but that's just the way the world works in the politics of, of, of sports, I guess. It's just one of the many considerations. The one thing about Shannon is, I, I think he, he does everything well. Uh, doesn't always shoot the three well, but he, he uh, he's, he's streaky that way, but uh, he, I've seen I've seen uh, in key situations where he's guard he's asked to guard the the toughest uh, scorer on the other team at least you know non center and uh, he he uh, he's also uh, distributed the ball several pretty well lately I I'd, I'd say you know he's picking up assists he's getting rebounds he's playing defense he's doing it all and he's and, and from from mid court in if he's on the loose nobody going to catch him he is really fast with that last dribble isn't he. He's fast and he's strong. Yeah. When I was talking about guys shooting contested threes, he was one of the top two or three guys. And he's that's probably the weakest part of his game. But, Lauren, you're right. Going downhill, there's not a better guy in college basketball. And, I mean, he's proven that. And his numbers, um, I saw a statistic the other day where they showed the top three guys in the country from what they were averaging last year with transfers to this year. And I think he was second. He's, he's a plus seven. He's really, really expanded his game. Coming to Illinois was a good thing for him. But, you know, again, I think when people see him on TV, yeah, he looks fast and quick and athletic, but he's able to absorb traffic 
um, excuse me, absorb hits in traffic. And he has more than a left hand. Some people just can't rotate and switch defensively quick enough to get stopping from going left. You watch teams shade him right, but he's so strong and so good at going left, like Iowa. And he was able to go right, but if people are going to not take away, if they're not good enough to take away a strong hand, you allow him to do it. I would continue to do it. I don't think Wisconsin has a guy that's going to be able to do it either. But what I don't want to see him do is just chuck up shots. And like you mentioned, he will distribute the basketball. After the Missouri game, when they you know, had that blowout loss, I really saw that part of his game expand. And that's really good observation one because he's really trying to do that. And he's really talking more to the freshmen. If you watch and notice now, to, to Sincere, to Dane, and you know, even when Sky was there, you saw him talking to them. But I think Coach Underwood had a, a conversation with him because it's been very noticeable since then. We'll let you go with this, but I know you're a big fan of Shauna Green and the job she's doing on the women's side. Oh, boy. <laughs> i tell you what's really cool. We talk about recruiting. This is different. When I talk to some of these recruits, I know I'll use one, for example, the um, A.J. Guy's daughter from Indiana, Alaya Guyton. Um, I don't know where she's going to go to school. I mean, she's a 24 kid who's one of the top players in the state. But if you ask me to bet my house today where she's going to go to school next year, I would tell you Illinois. They love Coach Green. I mean, she has done a tremendous job with recruiting. You know, I talked to Gretchen Dolan, the girl out of New York the other day, who's averaging 40 points a game. The recruiting's going well for her. But I like her as a coach because here's what I see. She can make in-game adjustments. And I sit and I just watch the game through my basketball peers. She is a master at making adjustments and then putting her kids in position to succeed. And I also like to see a little fire in her a little bit because she was really upset during the Purdue game. She's a great person from my hometown, so I've, I've known her and covered her since she was in high school. But she is a breath of fresh air. No disrespect to the other coaches down there, but she's good. And Illinois basketball is in really good hands. Now my concern is everybody's going to be trying to pursue her um, and people are going to be calling because she turned around one of the worst programs in the country and she could possibly win National Coach of the Year, Big Ten Coach of the Year in one year. So that tells you how good of a coach she is and, and what her vision is and what she's done so far. Good stuff, Kedrick. Always enjoy talking to you and uh, glad you're doing well. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. You bet. Kedrick, Smith, uh, Kedrick Prince from IlliniGuys.com at 10:24. Take a quick break. We'll hear some pregame comments from Brad Underwood and a little update on Luke Goody as well. And we'll keep the phone lines open. We're back with more after this. Hey, Illini family. It's Illinois women's basketball coach Shauna Green. We'll see you tomorrow at the State Farm Center. And listen in right here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. game tomorrow for the Illini women, 5 o'clock at the State Farm Center. And you can hear it right here with Mike Kuhn on the play-by-play as well. The Illini men in Madison to take on the Badgers this afternoon at 2 o'clock. The pregame coverage here on DWS and Light Rock 97.5 gets underway at noon. Got a chance to visit a little bit yesterday with Brad Underwood, and of course, a lot of fans are asking, uh, what's the latest on uh, Luke Goody? Here's what the coach had to say. He's doing the one-on-one, two-on-two individual workout stuff. Then he's got an appointment um, early next week, mid-next week, sometime that they'll 
they'll re-x-ray it, I guess, or scan it, whatever they do, to determine, you know, how it's happened, how, how it's progressed through these workouts. And, and uh, if everything goes okay, he'll be back in practice. And, of course, the question of has the red shirt question been discussed in that situation? Here's what the coach said about that. We haven't talked about that yet. I think everything's been, I don't want him thinking about anything other than let's go and, and let's help us. And, um, you know, that's been his approach since this, this injury happened. And, um, you know, then we'll, we'll get back to practice. And, you know, I don't have any question. You know, he's a veteran. He knows what we're doing. You know, his, his process of, of getting back into it will be expedited a little bit compared to some of the other new guys. I will say that redshirting has ceased to be a major consideration among coaches because players just don't stick around five years. Right. But – I will say that Goody is a, is a, he looks to me like a throwback. And uh, he, he might be a guy that would stay five years. And you're going to get into the middle of February before there's any possibility of him playing. And th- that's assuming that next week, when he is tested again, they approve him to go forward into practice, which will then require another t- couple of weeks before he's ready to play. So we're, we are into mid-February, and... So he could play three or four games at the end of the season, and then he could play in the Big Ten tournament and play in, in the NCAA tournament. So that's fine if that's what you want to do. But you might regret it someday because he might not be an NBA player, but he might be a real good college player over time. And I think Brad Underwood agrees with just about everything you said there um, about the way things change now with the transfer portal oh, he's, and such. But yeah. let me add some other comments that he still likes being able to redshirt players. Here's what he had to say. There's nothing bad ever comes of that. It's always good. You get a year of, of or, or a semester or whatever it is, academic bonus um, to further your education, to get closer to graduation without losing a year of eligibility, to... Um, uh, be in practice, to be in the weight room. Uh, Fletch lifts those guys a little differently than he does what, what we do. You know, it's a little more intense, a little more rigorous, um, and uh, because it's, it is truly about, you know, the development side of it. Uh, you know, the individual work that you get uh, along with practice and understanding terminology, there's nothing bad to ever come away from a redshirt year. But... Um, the mindset with the transfer portal is, you know, it's almost a waste. Uh, in some cases, um, you know, because kid, kids can leave. They've got to really want to be at your school. But uh, I'm a big fan of it. I love it. I, I would, uh, it's hard to play, you know, 12, 13 guys, 11, 12, 13 guys. So if guys can stay and, and, and develop and get better, I'm all for it. That's Brad Underwood. Well, I think he explained it pretty clearly. He did. He laid it out uh, very well, made Perfect sense to me, at least. Yeah, he's had some things to say about freshmen too. That's really interesting. That that, that haven't I don't know if they've been circulated fully. Although he did make the comments at the quarter at the rebounders club the other night, but uh, the other day. But you know, he's there. There are a lot of negatives about recruiting freshmen. There really are because, okay, you recruit for a freshman, then you bring in some transfers over the top of him. Then he gets upset and he moves. That's what happens, yep. and and we're already seeing both years. I mean, we had three good freshmen come in last year. Podzimski's gone. 
Well, we had four good freshmen coming in this year, and and uh, Sky Clark's gone, and different reasons, and and you know, and, and different outcomes. But it is true that when you recruit freshmen, you don't always know what you're getting. It is ten thirty-one, and we're going to get a quick break in here. We're going to talk high school hoops in Peoria with the author of a book called Playgrounds to the Pros, Legends of Peoria Basketball. His name is Jeff Carson. We'll give him a call and tell you more about that book, which comes out in about a week or so. We're back with more after this. Illini family, this is Brett Bielema. You've got the home of Illinois football. News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. It is moving up on 1035. On this edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, Brett Bielema made a new hire this morning, announcing that Charlie Bullen has been named the outside linebackers coach and pass rush coordinator. He comes to uh, the U of I coaching staff from the Arizona Cardinals of the uh, National Football League. He's going to be real pleased when he gets into that room with those uh, defensive ends because he's going to have Akas, who's one of the top freshmen in the country, at one end. He's got Seth Coleman coming back for his third year, and I think Coleman was uh, outstanding last year as a sophomore, and he's got uh, Zico Holmes, if you remember, he started the season as a starter and uh, was injured and missed the whole rest of the season. So he'll be back contending, as far as I know. And then you got, you know, you got three or four other guys. Uh, I think Beatty, uh, Jared Beatty, is one of the top freshmen to come in last year, along with Yakis. And so he's got a good room. And I, I would look for the, that uh, that particular part of the team those two that position and the two tackles those four positions in the defensive line are going to be as do I dare say as good as anybody in the Big Ten that's probably you know you just don't know how good Ohio State and Michigan are going to be they're always so great but this is a team by the way that led the nation in scoring defense so they must have been doing something going to talk some basketball again now Peoria area Peoria area basketball with the author of a book about to come out from the University of Illinois Press, Playgrounds to the Pros, Legends of Peoria Basketball. Jeff Carson is on the line with us. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Great. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Give us uh, the motivation, the inspiration on uh, coming up uh, with a book on the uh, Peoria basketball history, the uh, the hotbed that was the Peoria basketball from the 80s into the 2000s. Sure. Well, um, I always kind of uh, kept an eye on on high school sports and 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 particularly uh, Peoria Manuals run in, in the 90s. Um, despite living in Chicago, uh, was w- well aware of of their greatness and and kind of the the star players and all that. But uh, once I started digging in and and doing some research, uh, just realized the um, the breadth of the whole of the city at large, and it wasn't just manual, it was also Peoria High, um, referred to as Peoria Central sometimes. Uh, but this city of about 100,000 just had an incredible amount of talent and great coaches. And um, just, I was overwhelmed by the amount of uh, terrific stories that I learned along the way uh, re- when I started reporting this thing. Of course, there's a, a great uh, Peoria connection, Peoria pipeline to Champaign Urbana that uh, has uh, kind of fizzled out a little bit. Maybe it uh, will get going again. I'm sure that's part of the book. Yeah, it is. I, got a, I have a chapter on, on that pipeline, um, which, uh, you know, famously 
uh, started with Jerry Hester in the mid nineties. And then, um, of course the, the star trio of Sergio McLean and Marcus Griffin and, and then Frank Williams. Um, what, and of course I knew that uh, several others had come along as well, but what I didn't realize was that from that, uh, freshman year of Jerry Hester, it began a, a run of 19 consecutive seasons where the Illini had a Peoria native on the team, uh, which is just kind of amazing. So when, when one left, another one came in. Does uh, this go so back Brian to... Randalls and Jamar Smiths and Bill Cole and, and just on and on and on. And actually before that, uh, you had Doug Altenberger and Tony Weisinger from uh, the Peoria area back in the 80s as well. Well, you got Hol- yeah, Holcomb right. and Mark yeah. Smith too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, how, yeah, does this go all the way back to them? No, it doesn't. So, you know, I kind of had to draw a line in the sand and, and figure out where I was going to start and end. Um, but you're right. Uh, Holcomb and Smith were fantastic. Um, and I think it was late 70s. And then, uh, Steve, like you pointed out, Altenberger and Weisinger as well. Um, but this book begins uh, in the late 80s with um, Howard Nathan's story. Uh, the great player who was the first Mr. Basketball from the city of Peoria, uh, of course, went to DePaul and then a very brief stint in the NBA. Um, and then it goes through the early 2000s with Sean Livingston and his back-to-back state titles at Peoria Central. Mm-hmm. And you can't leave a guy like Wayne McLean out of that conversation yeah, either. He had to be a, a big part of the whole thing, wasn't he? Absolutely. I have a whole chapter on Wayne. Um what an what an interesting and and wonderful man he was, and um, incre- the the stories that people told me about the influence that he made on kids' lives and the things he did for kids behind the scenes, whether it was buying them clothes or or food or whatever. Um, these some of these really impoverished kids who grew up on the south side of Peoria. Um, you know, we know him as as the coach, college coach, and and as a high school coach too, but he was just a, a tremendous man and did so much for so many kids. Um, very sad that, that he passed away now going on, I think eight or 10 years ago. Well, this is a, this is a, a great pipeline that Illinois had for a long time. I guess I, before I get, uh, before I forget it, I want to ask you about uh, Guyton's daughter. What do you hear about her coming to Illinois as a, a member of the women's team? <laughs> well, I know she's highly sought after um, I, and has a lot of great scholarship offers. I, I, I do know she's interested um, in the, the program and what Coach Green has going now. I, I don't don't have the uh, the insight you might be looking for, though, in terms of if, she, if she's going to pick the Illini. But I, I do think she's considering them. Yeah, she's big time. What do you think the, the state of high school basketball is in Peoria now? Well, it's certainly taken a dip. Yeah. Um, there's no question about that. Um, there's myriad reasons for that. Um, one of, one of the prevailing ones seems to be that it's kind of a sign of the times and, and kids aren't, you, you know, you drive around in the summer and you don't see the, the pickup games on the street like you used to. And it's kind of lowered in the priority list, um, in terms of what kids want to do. So that it's a little bit sad in that regard. I, I think it's also just the way it is in the world. You know, there's so many other things now. There's the, the video games and this, that. Um, so it's it's not uh, nearly the kind of talent-producing town that it was at this point. However, it's still it's still just as important in the town as it ever was. And, and that was one of the striking things when I was doing my interviews was 
um, you know, people were, people remembered these games and these players and these stories so vividly, even though they were 20, 25, 30 years ago, um, because it's so important to them in that town. Were you able to get to uh, just about everybody that you wanted to talk to about this book? As far yeah. as as far as players and coaches go, yeah, I was. Um, so I, I interviewed al- uh, almost eighty people um, for this. Kind of just tried to source it as best as I could, and um, and I did get to just about everyone I wanted. Um, I think people were more open to talk about some of the maybe uncomfortable mm-hmm. things with the passage of time. Uh, people more willing to to talk in that way. But interestingly, the, the only person who, who did not want to talk was, um, maybe won't be surprising to you guys, was Frank Williams. So mm. he, you know, never, I don't think he ever was a big fan of talking to the media. And um, I don't know if, if he might feel some what, uh, regret or, or something about, or maybe a little, maybe a little bit bashful um, about not making it in the NBA like he thought he would. Um, but he certainly has nothing to be ashamed of. He had a, a fantastic career and, uh, you know, Mr. Basketball and Big Ten Player of the Year and first-round draft pick. But, but yeah, he was one, the, the one person who, who did not want to talk. You know, that surprised me the other day. He, he came up to me at a game I, from behind and tapped me on the shoulder. I turned around. Oh, wow. And, Frank, how you doing? Yeah, you know, we, we had him on the show uh, yeah. last year, last yeah. season. Yeah. Oh, wow. But, so, but you're right. He, he's, a, he's a tough one to get to. By the way, do you think that the dip uh, in basketball in Peoria and, uh, had anything to do with the losing of the uh, prep tournament, the high school tournament? Um, you know, that's a good question. I, I would say no. I, I, don't, I don't think that's the case. Uh, that the, the town was certainly disappointed in that, and they thought they were a, a proper home for it, and they thought they did a good job, and um, by all accounts they did. <laughs> Uh, but no, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that's a direct correlation with, with the, the lack of, you know, producing D1 talent. Well, I would say that, uh, it's interesting to me that Champaign-Urbana has, has also dips, uh, in terms of producing victories in, in high school basketball, just as Peoria has. It, it's kind of strange that, uh, it's both of them have kind of fallen off. I mean, Urbana, of course, has had trouble uh, even uh, producing a football team in the last two years, and mm. and basketball hasn't been any better. And I noticed some of the scores yesterday in the paper this morning that they're not doing very well. I mean, that's a continuation of a of a, a real dip in in performance. Mm. Yeah, that's that's too bad. Um, you know, I, I don't know the particulars on on your area why that would be necessarily, but w- one thing that you know was kind of stood out to me when, when I was working on this was, you know, when nowadays when we have these super teams or, you know, kind of power teams around the country, it's because they're prep schools and kids are flown in from all over the country to play for, you know, Oak Hill or prolific prep or whatever it is. But in Peoria, you know, when you talk about Frank and Sergio and Marcus, these were kids that lived in like a six block radius and they just happened you know, to live right there. And they went to their neighborhood school and the town was so flush with talent. You know, one, of, at one point in the mid nineties, the uh, Peoria journal star, the newspaper in town had to decide which future big 10 player that had to be left off their all area team hmm. because there were so many good players, you know, Mark for and 
um, AJ Guyton and Mike Robinson, who was a five-star kid who went to Purdue, is the is still the all-time leading scorer in the city of Peoria. Um, in addition to all the manual guys, so it, it was just flush with talent back then. Did DJ Richardson finish his school in Peoria? Or did he transfer as as a senior? You remember? He, you're right. He transferred to uh, yeah. He went to Peoria Central for three years, I think, and mm-hmm. then he transferred to Finley Prep in yeah. Vegas. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. But so he was. I think he was the last of that 19 year run that I referenced. I, I believe DJ was the last one. And then, of course, you know, after a few years of no, of no Peorians, then Demonte Williams came after that. But mm-hmm. um, I believe DJ was the last of that run. Another couple of minutes with uh, Jeff Carson, the author of this book about Peoria basketball. We do have a caller, Steve in Princeton. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, an interesting conversation. The list keeps getting longer of the good Peoria athletes. But did you include, like, outside Peoria, for example, I wrote down Doug Lee and Todd Foster, who went to Purdue. And I think Doug Lee played about the same time as Doug Altenberger. And I remember a game when Illinois played at Purdue. Illinois was ahead, and, and Doug Lee threw the ball inbounds, and they threw it right back to Doug, and he nailed a three-pointer at the hmm. horn and beat Illinois. I don't know if Lauren remembers that oh, game or not. Oh, yeah, do you ever remember that? And, and <laughs> that That's when we decided that the – the guy that you really have to guard at the end of a game is the guy throwing it in. I remember uh, McLean was the one throwing it in in the game against uh, Indiana in the Big Ten tournament when Illinois was – was that overtime, Steve, when when uh, Corey Bradford hit the three from the corner? Yeah. That ball went back to McLean, and he broke in, and they all had to converge on him, and he kicked it over. you got to guard that guy on the out-of-bounds, no question. Uh, Jeff, and the other- yeah. Yeah, the other name was Mike Robinson from Woodruff, who went to P- Purdue and had a good career. Mm-hmm. And, of course, A.J. Guyton and Chris Reynolds from Central. They went to Indiana. Matt Roth from Washington went to uh, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Sean Payton, you know, or uh, Livingston, he declared for uh, Duke, but then went direct to the NBA. Yeah, so I um, to answer, thanks for the call. To, a- to answer your question, um, I, I did not include uh, towns outside Peoria. It was just kind of would have been too much um, to to include in one book, I think. So uh, those first two guys you mentioned who went to Purdue were, were not part of it. Um, but the others that you were saying at the end are, are absolutely in it. Uh, Mike Robinson, I talked to him. He's now a very successful high school coach in Virginia. Actually, he's won a state championship there as a, as a high school coach. Um, and then A.J. Guyton, I have, I have a chapter on uh, Guyton's family, um, the kind of this first family of Peoria Central, where um, his stepdad was a coach and his brother, uh, Daniel Ruffin, he won. He was a, a really good point guard on the uh, one of the state championship teams with Sean Livingston, and later was point guard at Bradley when they went to the Sweet Sixteen um, in about I want to say 2006 or seven. So, um, anything else, Steve? Yeah. Well, one other question earlier in the show, you were talking about Illinois kids not wanting to play for Illinois. Purdue's starting lineup, they have four kids from Indiana, starting with Edie being from Canada. So I guess there's some states where the kids still want to play for the state university. And Indiana's got a bunch of Indiana kids, too, playing for Indiana. Mm-hmm. All right, Steve, appreciate the call. Thank you. So, um, Jeff, this uh, release date is February 7th, just around the corner, so fans will be able to find that just about anywhere is that right yeah so uh, if you go to university of illinois press's website 
uh, you'll find it there. It'll also be on Amazon and, and various other uh, kind of book selling sites. So if you just type in my name or, or type in Playgrounds to the Pros, uh, Peoria Basketball, you'll, you should be able to find it pretty easily. Hey, Jeff, we appreciate your time. Look forward to reading the book. Thanks. Thanks a lot, guys. You bet. Jeff Carson, K-A-R-Z-E-N is his name. He's the author. The um, name of the book is Playgrounds to the Pros, Legends of Peoria Basketball, as he mentioned, University of Illinois Press, release date February 7th. 10.50, a break. Back with more after this. Ten fifty-two, a lot of fellow Saturday sports talk. You got about five minutes to get in. If you have any calls or comments, two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Comments or questions. Have one on the text line, Lord, for you. Will Podzinski finish his college career at Santa Clara, or will he catch the attention of somebody else and transfer again? Okay. Good Here, question. Here's an interesting thing. The NCAA is suddenly putting some teeth in the second move, Steve, Mm -hmm. and it isn't easy to get eligible the second time around if you transfer a second time as it is the first time. First time's automatic. Second time, I see that some people are being denied, and if you just transfer because you want to play basketball somewhere else the second time, I'm not sure where that stands with the committee right now that's, that's handling that for the NCAA. But I, I don't think he's an NBA prospect based on, I mean, he is averaging 18 to 20 points a game. I mean, but uh, I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, I haven't seen. I don't think anybody said anything about the NBA, but maybe he goes up, a, you know, back up a level or something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, I could see him wanting to do that, but as again, I, I don't know if, you, if it's automatic that you'd be eligible. Let's go to the phones. Alan is with us. What's going on there, Alan? Morning, guys. Uh, are we getting the point with Goody that we need to redshirt him for the year, or is there so many games he can play still yet and still now, if keep he, that? Yeah, if he plays, he pretty much plays. Uh, we had uh, some comments earlier in the show. Maybe you missed it. Uh, with Brad yeah. Underwood about that, and uh, they have not talked about uh, the redshirt uh, idea with him as yet. They want to see uh, if he can help, and he's a, likely a guy that will be around a while. And the redshirting, the whole process has kind of changed a little bit with uh, people not sticking around and being able to to um, transfer pretty easily. But I don't know what the, the answer is to your question. They, I think they'll see how he uh, he has a doctor's appointment again next week. If he passes that, he'll increase from one-on-one, two-on-two drills that he's doing now to, to full-team workouts. Yeah, we, this is this is a decision that will be made in mid-February. <coughs> so yes. if he plays it all, uh, he loses that year, right? If he plays one minute. Wow. Yeah. I thought they changed that a little bit. <laughs> you think it's two minutes? <laughs> they did in football. Well, sure they changed it in football. I don't think it's the same sport. I'm not sure. Well, it would be nice I if it... that, but I thought one time eligibility redshirting was a certain uh, certain amount of time that you used in the football and basketball, like so many games. Was it? Like he was, yeah. Oh, yeah he on, on an injury, yes. That's medical. Yeah, medical redshirt. Yeah. Well, this would be a medical redshirt, but it's the second half of the season. That right. They, 
So I, there's still a medical red shirt, and he would and he qualifies as in the medical part of it, except he doesn't qualify if, if he plays to the end of the season. It, it's it's over for him as far as that's. So concerned. if you got him in mid February, if he got hurt again, would that matter? Well, do you say football? You couldn't do that. Then, if he was a medical hurt, like uh, the running back, like he got hurt and he played there in the bowl game, you used to be able not be able to do that. True. No, it's four games now plus a bowl game. Yeah, you're talking about a number of games, like football has four, where anybody can play in up to four games and still redshirt. Yeah, and and they allowed a fifth game in in a bowl game this year, so they can't play. So they can't do that in basketball, like play four or five games and then keep your eligibility for that year. Correct. Okay. That's strange. But that's NCAA. That's not the only thing that's strange (laughs) when you're talking NCAA. But good question, though. I just said that. (laughs) I just said that. So it's true. All All right. right. That's all I got. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. Some things going on now. Track and field for Illinois. They're in action this weekend over the Armory indoors. Wrestling is at Minnesota this afternoon. Men's golf is playing down in Florida. Oh, boy. The uh, Tenervin Cup that they uh, play every year down there, getting their season underway. Men's gymnastics is at Oklahoma. Women's gymnastics is at home. And men's and women's tennis, both uh, in action this weekend as well as we get into uh, the spring sports. High school Basketball, a big night last night around the area. All the scores and highlights in today's edition of the News Gazette. We'll take one final break. Be back with some final words after this. Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store, easy to find, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them online PellaofChampagne.com. Got about a minute left here on the program. Who you got in the uh, NFL playoffs tomorrow? Well, you know, I I, I assume I'm going to assume Kansas City over Cincinnati. Boo! Philadelphia over San Francisco. What do you think? I'm booing your first one. <laughs> That's okay. I'm a Bengals fan, but being from Ohio, but it uh, should be a pretty good ball game. Both of those should be good games, and uh, the winners going to the Super Bowl. Mr. Tate, we'll hear from you again an hour from now All right. on the pregame coverage, Illinois and Wisconsin, this afternoon at 2 o'clock. Pregame show beginning at noon. Thanks to Sean Harrington, Nate McNeil from the Illinois football office, Kevin Prince, and Jeff Carson for their time on the program this morning. Thanks to all the folks that called in and all the folks listening and to Dave Leak, our producer on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Have a good weekend, everybody.